Blessings to you. It's Mike Niano, pastor of the Blue Point Bible Church. What I'd like to begin doing is offering up a sort of review of the Sunday sermon for the edification of our online listeners. We have not forgotten about our online community here at the Blue Point Bible Church. However, recently we have not been recording our services on Sunday morning, namely due to the fact that we are meeting outside and the sound quality would simply not be there. So this is going to be my effort of hopefully involving our online community, keeping you edified by what we've been preaching through or thinking through here at the Blue Point Bible Church. This morning's sermon was titled, Tying Things Together, where I actually attempted and prayerfully I accomplished summarizing what we read from Genesis chapter 1 up to where we find ourselves thinking through the scriptures here at Blue Point Bible Church, 2 Kings. And what I had done was I started out the discussion by sort of connecting the narrative. And I brought us back to a discussion that I had done with another local pastor named Robert Iannicelli a couple of years ago. Matter of fact, you could go on YouTube and you can find the discussion between him and I, uh, simply put in Miano and Iannicelli, I-A-N-N-U-C-H-I-L-L-I, and you could find that YouTube video. But what I'd like to do is kind of bring you through the five points that we had marked out as summarizing the biblical story. We had started by noting Genesis creation, and the question we have to ask ourselves when we open up the Bible is, what was God doing in the beginning? Unfortunately, we know that a large part of Christianity believes that the beginning of the Bible starts with all humanity, that Adam was the first ancestor of all humanity, and therefore the biblical story would follow talking about all humanity. Well, my teachings and how I have come to understand this is that Genesis creation is speaking about creating a covenant man. Adam was the first covenant man, the ancient ancestor of Israel. And that's what Genesis creation is focused upon. Then as we move forward, the next highlight would be the Mosaic law. God created his people and therefore gave them a law, the Mosaic law. And it was the Mosaic law that we we read about through the first five books of the Bible. And this was given to Israel for them to obey. We read about this in Exodus chapter 19 when Moses goes up top of Mount Sinai, comes down, and Israel does say, we will do these things. And we know that the law of Moses was filled with do's and don'ts. If you do these things, you will be blessed. If you do not do these things, you will be cursed. And unfortunately, as we've been reading right now, again, we find ourselves in 2 Kings in our reading here at the Blue Point Bible Church. And as we read through scripture, especially where we find ourselves in 2 Kings, we've noticed that the Lord's people, being led by these wicked kings, simply do not follow the Mosaic law. What the Lord had done was he had given prophets. Our third highlight of our discussion was the hope of the prophets. I had heard a sermon where they remarked that the prophets were the covenant watchdogs. And that's what we see with the hope of the prophets. They're trying to urge Israel forward saying, you, you know, they got prophet Isaiah continually rebuking them that their light has turned into darkness. However, he remarks that God will bring forth light and God would be doing that by some other means than these wicked kings that brought devastation to Israel. So it's important to become familiar with the prophets and, and to understand, you know, what's going on in that regard. And that's what we've been doing actually in our adult Sunday school here at the Blue Point Bible Church. So then the fourth thing would be the ministry of the Messiah. So now catch this. Let's review. You have God created something in Genesis. He gave that creation a law, which we call the law of Moses. Then he sent prophets to that creation to urge them to be obedient to that law. And unfortunately, we know that that did not happen. And if you're familiar with the New Testament, you know that the Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians tells us why the Lord gave the law and ultimately why the prophets were sent. Because 
Israel would not follow the law, that uh, the law was given to magnify sin, is what we read in the book of Galatians. Uh, so what God was doing in all of his sovereignty and providence was leading up to a people that would not be able to act as though they do not need the Lord, uh, suffering the pride of life that we read about there in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, which unfortunately does become the reality of God's people. I'm sorry, that's 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. And uh, what we see is uh, there's a promise in the prophets. They promise a time of the Messiah. The fourth highlight that Robert Ionatelli had, had discussed through uh, was the ministry of the Messiah. And we know that Jesus Christ said that he came to none other than the lost sheep of the house of Israel. However, we know that there is this beautiful part of that prophecy that ties into Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6. And therein we read that it would be too small a thing for the Messiah to simply regather the tribes of Jacob, but that he would send forth a light to the Gentiles. And in the New Testament, we see this uh, very much in the ministry of the Apostle Paul as he goes outside of the people of Israel and brings the gospel to other people that the Lord would be calling according to his purposes, which again is a very beautiful reality because again here today we celebrated Pentecost at the Blue Point Bible Church. Pentecost is ultimately the bringing in of the, the spring harvest, the beginning of the, the eschatological end time harvest uh, that was being had there in the first century. And uh, what this had to do with was bringing in Jews and Gentiles and Pentecost being celebrated today by a church in the 21st century here in America with a mixed multitude of nations and people represented surely demonstrates that the Lord had fulfilled these things and brought a light to the Gentiles. Amen. And then, of course, the fifth and final uh, highlight, or if you will, uh, segment that we looked at in regards to the scriptures was the end times, eschatology. And really where this all begins, it, it, you know, it's important to know where we began. So if you made Genesis creation about all humankind, unfortunately, you're going to make eschatology about all humankind. But if you understand that Genesis creation was about the covenant, you will see the end of the scriptures, the book of Revelation dealing with the end of a covenant. So uh, again, I encourage you to go ahead and visit that on YouTube. I imagine you will be edified by that outline because of course this is important. And if I can impress one thing upon us, it's to become familiar with the biblical narrative and know how all these pieces lock together to make a consistent story. For me, the story is just one dismaying story of disobedience. Uh, you see right there in the Garden of Eden, uh, something hopefully you catch out of the imagery that is given to you is that Adam and Eve were set up for success. They were placed into a beautiful place, a garden. They didn't wander into that location. The Lord put them there and they were set up there. They were given everything they needed. Simply do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And unfortunately, we know as the story goes, they fail. And uh, then the story moves on to the ancient ancestors and patriarchs. And uh, you have the story of Noah there. You read the unfortunate uh, curse that comes upon Ham uh, there in that story. Then you end up reading about Abraham. And one of my frustrating things about Abraham was that he simply did not love his wife to the best of his ability. We see him oftentimes trying to uh, protect himself by saying that his wife is his sister so that other kings might uh, desire her and allow him to live safely. So uh, again, you know, again, just dismaying as we read through the story of the patriarchs. Then what we see as we move further, uh, when the Israel is given a law, and specifically I highlight Deuteronomy chapter 4 verses 1 through 6, uh, wherein they are told the reason for the law. Israel was given the law so that they would be a light to the nations around them. 
Uh, that's summarizing, of course, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. That light would be that the nations around them would desire their God, would desire a law from their God, the way that their God had given it to them, would desire the closeness, the presence of God, the way that the Israelites had demonstrated their God being close to them. Unfortunately, as we continue through the biblical narrative, we get into the story of Joshua. Uh, there we see, uh, there we read about Joshua and Caleb, where they uh, were victorious. Uh, were courageous to go into the land and, and conquer it. Uh, so we do see Israel goes into the land after much trepidation and fear. They enter into the land. They begin to set up these judges. If you remember, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had told him that in leading the nation, he should set up a, a multitude of judges. Uh, so then they become led by judges, Israel as a nation. Uh, we see some of these judges are righteous. Some of these judges are wicked. And then what ultimately happens in 1 Samuel chapter 8 is Israel begins to desire to be like the nations and they cry out and they want a king to lead them, a king that will amass armies and lead them into war and be victorious. Uh, they want a king. And uh, we read this in 1 Samuel 8. And then, of course, with kings comes the prophets. Uh, the prophets will be the ones that will rebuke the kings and be the covenant watchdogs, as I've already mentioned in that regard. So that led us right into where we've been reading here in the book of Kings, uh, that's First and Second Kings, and uh, ultimately the prophets that were sent to these kings uh, is a part of the, the historical context or the biblical narrative. And what we read as we go through First Kings, as we go through this part of history that Israel was living in, uh, we see that it's remarked that they, like Adam, violate the covenant. So we've already talked about Genesis creation, Adam violating the covenant, getting removed from the presence of the Lord. And we see that Israel does the very same thing. This was remarked in Hosea chapter 6, verse 7. And Hosea is an early on prophet. He's prophesying in the 8th century BC. So he's telling them that they have violated the covenant like Adam. And then how did they violate the covenant is of importance. In Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, just a couple chapters prior, it says that my people are destroyed for their lack of knowledge. So the way that they've violated the covenant is by lacking the true knowledge of God. Rather than eating of the tree of life, so to speak, they eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We see this in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 2, that, you know, these people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. And furthermore, the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans in the first century laments that his generation, they have a zeal for God, but that zeal is not based upon knowledge. So, we see the need for a knowledge of God. We see the need of uh, a zeal for God that is based upon knowledge or empowered by knowledge, as I'm often prone to say. The second thing that we see is things go from bad to worse. So now not only are they violating the covenant, now no one is even seeking after God. We read about that in Psalm 14, 3, Psalm 53, verses 1 through 3. Jeremiah the prophet laments that in Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 1. And then also, of course, the apostle Paul mentions this in Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. No one does good. No one seeks after God. The good news in the midst of this, there is always good news, amen? And the good news is that God always keeps a remnant. I've actually preached sermons on this where I've called it God's provided solution. And we see this all throughout the Bible, that what God does is he provides a remnant. You see, the, the problem for a lot of people that are not familiar with the biblical story is to understand what the solution is to the world's problems. We all have things we're praying about. We all have burdens in this world that we want to see alleviated. And uh, many people are, are accustomed to just sort of uh, saying that God will come and end it one day or God will fix it. Well, he did. He did it by providing a remnant, a group of people that will bring his purposes and his peace into this world. 
So it's imperative for us to see that it's not some cataclysmic end of the world that's going to be the solution. It's not the Messiah coming out of the sky from the clouds. It's not, um, you know, wishful thinking. But rather, it's God's remnant people that are God's provided solution in this world. So then... We, we see this, but then now I want to bring our attention back over to the book of Kings. Last week in our sermon, and again, you weren't here and I haven't been recording them, but I, what I had done was I brought us up to 2 Kings chapter 4 and really summarized the book of Kings. You just see these kings up and down, uh, you know, wicked, not wicked, etc. And what we've been doing here at the Blue Point Bible Church, and as some of you may be familiar with, I'm looking to put together a, uh, a book that goes through the series that I've been preaching called Kingdom Kings. And we've been challenging ourselves to look at the wickedness of the kings, to look at the righteousness of those few that are there, and to ask ourselves, how are we living in Kingdom Kings to this day? Are we living out the reality of God's kingdom, uh, looking like the righteous kings of Israel or looking like the wicked kings of Israel that allowed idolatry and all the other problems that we have seen there. So again, I encourage you to keep an eye out for that book that will be coming in the near future. Uh, but however, what I want to do is just continue from 2 Kings chapter 4 to kind of lead you in on where we've been at in our, our sermon. So what we read in 2 Kings is, uh, as we continue past chapter 4, is we read about the revolt of a man named Jehu in the north. And uh, what ends up happening is, is this revolt is so bad that the north never recovers from it. Uh, what ends up happening is it leads to the later invasion uh, and captivity Within, with the Assyrians. The Assyrians come in in 721 BC into the northern tribes and they decimate it, take the people captive. Uh, obviously, they, they go through this whole thing where they take some of the people from the north, bring them to Assyria, take some of the Assyrians and put them there with the populace in the north. And uh, and that becomes, you know, a people that have become Gentilized, if you will, to borrow a word or to make up a word. So that's what happens in 721 BC. Israel of the north is no longer existent. And now what the apple of God's eye is, is the Judah in the south, made up of the house of Judah, made up of two tribes, Benjamin and Judah. Judah has some ups and downs. Uh, unfortunately, idolatry has its way and God's wrath is revealed against Judah. And what we know is by the year 586 BC, the Babylonians invade uh, the, the southern tribes there and take them captive. We do know that through the prophet uh, Jeremiah, Jeremiah promised that this would happen, but it would be a 70, year uh, 70 years time of refining and preparing a people for the Lord. When we read 2 Kings chapter 17, which again is probably one of the more summarizing chapters of the book, uh, it tells us that Israel violated the covenant. It gives you a short little history there. Uh, that the north, the south, they've all violated the covenant, and that's why they've suffered the devastation that they have. Uh, in 2 Kings chapter 25, however, again, the beauty of always, God always preserving a remnant, God is always doing something uh, on behalf of his people. We see in 2 Kings chapter 25 that favor is given to the king, and sure enough, uh, this, this new king in Assyria shows favor to the king of Israel, and now, or the king of Judah for that matter, and now what we know is going to possibly be some sort of restoration. And uh, we'll have to continue reading about that. Matter of fact, that's what we're going to do. So uh, I have already mentioned the book Kingdom Kings. Uh, what we're also doing here at the Blue Point Bible Church, if you're local and you'd like to read through the prophets, is uh, we're studying through the prophets right now in Isaiah here at the Blue Point Bible Church on Sundays at 9 a.m. The reason I'm telling you that is because what we had begun doing back in 2018 was we began thinking through the scriptures, going through the scriptures through the historical narrative, methodically trying to or strategically trying to draw out information that would help us live the goal of our faith. Love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. So um, we had been going through the biblical narrative. 
Now, being that we're studying the prophets in our adult Sunday school, I'm not going to preach through the prophets. It would probably take me millennia to preach through the prophets. Also, another thing that we're not going to do is we're not going to go backwards and revisit the books of wisdom. For example, the books of Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Songs, and Job. Uh, reason being is that we actually do them in our exhortations. We go through those texts in our exhortations here at the Blue Point Bible Church in our responsive readings. And I trust that the edification from those wisdom texts will continue to abound. No need for us to spend some time in a sermon in that regard. I might also mention Ward Femley's resources. Ward Femley has preached through a large majority of the Psalms in showing you how they have reference to Christ and Christ's kingdom. That being said, what we're going to do here at the Blue Point Bible Church is we're going to move into the historical writings. We see in Luke chapter 24, verse 44, Jesus says that all things must be fulfilled about him that were found in the law, the prophets, and the writings. Uh, or the Psalms, some translations will say. The Psalms is just simply the most uh, pronounced um, book of the Ketuvim, or the historical writings. Uh, however, there's others that we're going to begin reviewing. And those are going to be, uh, we're going to begin with Ezra next week, which was actually uh, written in 457. Uh, Nehemiah will follow Esther, and then Chronicles. And uh, we'll see the difference, as I had mentioned a couple weeks ago. There's a different question being posited. Again, the si a large part, the same history uh, that we read in Kings and Chronicles. However, you'll be hard-pressed to find a king of the northern tribes mentioned in the book of Chronicles. Rather, it's the history of the southern tribe. Um, reason being is that by the time Chronicles is written, the northern tribes have been decimated and are completely dispersed. Um, the southern tribes are those that are seeking restoration. And the, the question in Kings has been, uh, why has this happened to us? Uh, you know, again, Israel is invaded by the Assyrians. Israel is invaded by Babylonians. And really, the, the answer would be because of the, you know, the wickedness of the kings and the wickedness of the people. And that's their question in Kings. Chronicles, written at a much later time, is basically asking, has God forgotten about us? Is God still here? What happened? And uh, we'll begin to look into that in the near future. So uh, I'm excited for what we're going to actually be doing here at the Blue Point Bible Church. We're going to be a new, begin a new series in July 2021. It's going to be called The Fullness of the Times, and we're going to be talking about the Messiah, and we're going to be following the biblical story from the writing of the New Testament texts. So we know that one of the earliest New Testament texts was the book of Matthew and the book of Galatians, and uh, we'll follow reading those texts, studying through those texts, and ultimately conclude uh, the entire uh, reviewing the entire New Testament in that type of way. We had begun this series in thinking through the scriptures back in January 2018 with emphasis on strategically focusing on our growing in the grace and knowledge of God. I had mentioned that we would squeeze and shake the scriptures to get the most out of them. Actually reading through our Bibles and paying attention to the variety of literary genres that we're reading through. Also, as it should be obvious, our goal in growing in the grace and knowledge of God is to live worthy lives. I had challenged us that the modern church is much like the church of Ephesus in the book of Revelation, Revelation 2, 1 through 7 to be specific. That being so, uh, and by the way, let me just give you a quick little snippet. If you read that text there in Revelation 2, the church at Ephesus had begun well, which I believe, again, the church, the common day church, contemporary church, has done well. But then they started to forget, started to get lax in the things that they were supposed to be focusing on. And I believe, unfortunately, that is a critique of the common day church. That being so, I had urged us toward the goal of our faith that we read about in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. In conclusion to our thinking together, I think it's imperative that we review 
biblical texts. And if you're viewing this, uh, or if you're listening to, this is not a view, if you're listening to this audio, uh, what I'll be doing is putting all the verses that were mentioned in today's sermon in the description box for this audio. I do hope that you'll go ahead and visit those verses and become more familiar with the details that we find in Scripture. So I ask you as we close out, do you have a general understanding of the biblical narrative? How can you strategically develop your biblical understanding? I gave you quite a few ways, gave you quite a few highlights today that I hope you wrote down and that you'll use to further edify yourself in your study of the scriptures. I thank you for taking some time to join me for this sermon review. I pray that you are edified by the details that were mentioned herein and that if you ever find yourself in the Long Island region that you might consider joining with us here at the Blue Point Bible Church. On Sunday mornings, we meet at 9 a.m. for adult Sunday school. We have our worship service at 10.30 and then many times we have a 6 p.m. worship prayer meeting that we encourage you to join with us. Again, thank you. I pray that this has encouraged you to grow in the grace and knowledge of God. If you have any other questions, please visit our website at bluepointbiblechurch.org. May God prosper you, bless you, and lead you further in increase of understanding Him.